Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Truth or is it fiction? Is it, is it nice sentiment or is it something of a life-changing substance? And so over the last few weeks, we've been looking at a part of the Bible, a scripture in the book of Isaiah. And Isaiah, if you're not aware, is a writing that's part of the Old Testament. That's about the first two-thirds of the Bible. And it's prophetic, which means that it speaks of things to come. And this passage of scripture describes Jesus by giving him four names or four titles. They aren't because he's confused. They aren't because he wants multiple choice, you know, different aliases, depending on where he is. The Bible uses this as a way to help us somehow try and define someone who you could never define, the life-giving source, the eternity creator, the, you know, everywhere, you know, omnipresent everywhere all at the same time. This God it tries to describe in four titles. And so we've looked at three already, which were Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And so this morning, as we uh, wrap up our Christmas series, uh, heading into Christmas, we're going to finish with the fourth one, but I'll just read the scripture to you again. It's in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It says this, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so today, like I said, we're going to look at that fourth description of who Jesus is, that He is the Prince of Peace. And you know, this theme of, uh, of peace is repeated throughout the Bible. As I mentioned, the scripture we just read was from Isaiah, which is about uh, 750 years before Christ was born. But if we fast forward again to the night of Jesus' birth, in Luke chapter 2, we find this theme of peace occurring again. I'll read this one to you. It'll be on the screen as well. This is Luke chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. And suddenly there was with the angel, this is the angel that's announcing the birth of Christ. Uh, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace goodwill toward men. So we see the prophet Isaiah declaring 750 years before Jesus even turns up that he's going to be a prince of peace. We see the angel declaring on the night of Christ's birth that there's going to be on earth peace and goodwill toward men. Then we're going to take another, we're going to take another jump 33 years uh, to near the end of Jesus' life. And Jesus, by this time, has lived on earth um, in, ap in actual obscurity for the majority of his life, 30, pretty much 30 years of just being human and being family and, and being around. And then, then he comes for these last three years of, of powerful public ministry. And he says this to his disciples, his followers, right near the end. This is in John 14, verses 27. He says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind, and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. You see, once again, as Jesus, just before he goes down to lay down his life as a sacrifice for all mankind, no matter their background, no matter their ethnicity, no matter their social economic status, no matter their political views, no matter whatever, 
Jesus lays down His life to triumph over sin, to triumph over death, to bring freedom to our lives. He speaks again of peace. Speaks again of peace. He says, I give you a gift of peace. This gift is a gift that the world cannot give. You know, it's interesting all throughout human history, peace has been fairly elusive. If you think about all the things that humanity has achieved, um, you know, we've sent someone to the moon. We can, you know, build, you know, great buildings. We can connect much of the world via the information superhighway. No one ever uses that term anymore, do they? It's such a good term, the information superhighway. It's because we realise that half the stuff on it isn't true. But anyway, we won't, we won't, we won't, we won't go there. But, but we've been able to do that. We've been able to, you know, do all these amazing things. And so with all, for all our progress... We really haven't progressed much in the area of peace. You might think, well, you know, Australia's Australia's pretty good. We've been we've been going pretty pretty well so far in terms of peace. But if we would look not just at war and conflict externally, but if we would understand the peace that Jesus wants to bring, it, it starts on the inside of our hearts. It starts with our lives. If we look around society with anxiety growing with Mental health issues, a challenge for many. Uh, we, we have to say, has there been an increase of peace? At the time of Jesus speaking these words, his nation and many nations were under the rule of the Roman Empire. And their concept of peace was this thing called uh, Pax Romano, which or Roman peace. That meant that you were at peace because you were ruled by the empire. It was this notion of peace, security, and prosperity that comes because you were governed by Rome. So when Jesus speaks to his followers, he says, I give you a gift of peace. But then he, he importantly makes sure that he differentiates it by continuing to say that this is a gift of peace that the world can't give you. It's a gift of peace that the world can't give you. Fast forward again over 2,000 years to where we are today, and the words and the promise, I believe, still ring true. There is a peace in Jesus that the world, that is everything outside the kingdom of God, cannot deliver. We, we, we may have a false peace, we may have a Roman peace, but we have a Western consumerism that says that peace is just one purchase away. If you get this, you'll, you, you'll be at peace. You'll feel better about yourself. Just if your sporting team would actually win a game, you'll feel at peace. That's for the Dockers supporters. Anyway, if you, you know, if you, you would feel at peace. You know, we, we, we think we may not have the false peace, but we have this, this, this Western mindset that once I have X, then I will be happy and everything will work out. You know, when I work my way up to this level in my workplace, I'll have financial peace. You know, once my kids grow up, I will have peace. You know, we're, we're a child or a teenager here and we think once I finish high school, move out and can make my own decisions and get rid of those pesky parents, then I will finally have peace. See some cheers from some young people there. It's all right, you'll find out. You'll find out. There's some people here thinking, once I finish my university degree, get through exams and assessments, then thank goodness I'll finally have some peace. Maybe there's some people that think when I, can, when I can leave the dating scene behind and get married and get that sort of, finally, then I'll have peace. <laughs> I like how that's the, that's the biggest laugh. Good save, Chris. Good save. 
you know, maybe we're thinking, well, once I get this health thing that I'm facing, this health challenge that's going on, then I'll get peace. Oh, maybe some people are thinking, well, once the borders are open, then I'll have peace. Or maybe some other people are thinking, once the borders stay shut, then I'll have peace. I, I don't know, wherever it is, but all the world offers is temporary fixes for something that is actually an eternal problem. The, the, the world's offer of peace is this. The more control I have over my life and the things that affect my life, then the more peace I have. Therefore, if I have more money, I have more choices and I can decide what I want to do and when I do it. So that must give me a new sense of peace. The world says, well, maybe the higher I climb in the pecking order at work means I get to tell more people what to do and have less people telling me what to do. Then, 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 then there must be more peace. Those in areas of responsibility know that's never the case. But, but anyway, this is a promise that the world gives. And the less restraints I have in terms of the moral choices I make about my body or about my sexuality or even about my schedule must mean if I can choose that, then I must have more peace. In short, the world says this, to have peace, I need to become my own God. If I get to decide, if I, if I get to choose what I want, if I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, then that must mean that I'm filled with peace. But can I tell you, the offer that Jesus presents for peace is vastly different. What Jesus presents for peace is that peace is found by willingly letting go of control, submitting our lives to Him, putting on restraints because we trust in Him whose ways and thoughts are higher than our own. He is the great designer of our lives, of ourselves, and therefore has the greatest insight into how we were made and how we were designed. Matthew 16 says it like this, verse 24 and 25. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. So this Christmas time, as we've reflected on the fact that Jesus is the wonderful counsellor, that He is a mighty God, that He is the everlasting Father, and now that He is the Prince of Peace, what can, we, what can we take out of this auditorium, out of this day as we come around Christmas time? What can we understand about this Prince of Peace, this Prince of Peace that wants to come and fill our lives? And so if you're taking notes, you can write down. Number one is this. We need to understand that peace is a gift. Peace is a gift. Jesus' words, again, that we read earlier, says this, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. You see, the peace that Jesus is speaking about is not like the New Age notion of inner peace that's found inside of ourselves. It's actually found outside of ourselves. It's given as a gift by God. It's a peace that the Bible says transcends or surpasses all understanding. I know that you read a beautiful Instagram quote over a you know, beautiful mountain range vista or an ocean backdrop, and it said something like, remember, everything you need is inside of yourself. You are enough. Sounds nice. Sounds inspiring. You know, or, you know, just be true to yourself, and then you'll find peace. Nope, you won't. I know, that's, I know that sounds brutal. 
I know it's not popular, but you won't. Why? Because peace is a gift. It's a gift given by God through Jesus Christ. It's not found in myself. I don't know about you, but I would be in trouble if it's found in me. If I was to be true to myself, well, myself wants my own way. Myself doesn't want to help around the house. I'd rather sit and watch English Premier League football, especially because my team's actually, actually winning recently. Come on, Arsenal. You know, I, I, I'd rather do that than, than help out. You know what? Can I be honest? Sometimes I'd rather even sleep in on a Sunday than come here, and I'm paid to come here. Like, if I just wanted to be true to myself and do, and do what I wanted to do, that, that wouldn't give me peace. Why? Because it sounds inspiring. It's in a Disney movie, so it must be Trina Elsa sings it or something like that. But it's actually not true because peace is found not inside me. It's found outside of me. It's found in Jesus Christ. We have a joke in our family. It's from uh, the Gilmore Girls. I'm not outing myself as a fan. There may be two other fans in our family, it's not, it's not me, but um, there's, there's a scene, I think it was on the, you know, the little Netflix clip whenever it's, whenever it's up um, as an ad, and it's uh, uh, Lorelai yells out to her daughter as she's walking into school, she yells out, just be you, and of course it's cringe factor for teenager, and she's like head down, so we have this joke in our family that sometimes at school drop off or dance drop off or things we wind down the window and we yell out, just be you, and we get the cringy look from, you know, and then anyway, but if I was just to be me, it's not enough. It's not enough. I need something from outside of me. I need a peace. I need a love. I need a grace that goes beyond what I can conjure up in my own strength. The reality is you will not find peace just by being you. I know it's not a popular message. Because true peace is a gift. Like I said, it's not found deep inside you. It's found deep inside the reality of Jesus and the Father's love for you. So number one is this, is that peace is a gift. Number two, which sort of goes along with it really, is you can't earn peace. If peace is a gift, then logically you, you, you must not be able to earn it. You don't earn a gift you get given a gift. A gift flows out of generosity. It comes from the giver. It's not like sucked out by the receiver. It comes from the giver. The Bible says it like this in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Notice a couple of things about this passage. It said that we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And it continued, it says, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. All the onus is on God the Father and on Jesus, His Son. God uh, didn't set uh, the plan into motion for salvation because what, because what we have, had, have done, He did it because of Himself. 
He didn't look down on humanity and think, oh, they're making a pretty good, pretty good go of it. They just need a little boost to get them at the end. So I might send Jesus Christ along now. No, 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 not, not at all. In fact, do, do you know where the first prophecy about Jesus actually occurs in the Bible? It's, it's right at the start. It's right at the start after Adam and Eve were deceived by the same lie that's bewitching humanity today is that we can be our own God. It's the, it's the first, first sin, the first rebellion against God. It still hasn't, still hasn't gone away. But, but after that, God says that Adam and Eve are forced out of the Garden of Eden because of their rebellion. But God makes this promise to the serpent, which is a personification of Satan. And he's, God says to him that you will strike the heel of the woman's offspring, but the offspring of Eve, that is Jesus, will crush your head. That's the, that's the first prophecy about Jesus Christ right at the beginning, right after the failure of Adam and Eve to submit their lives to God and His ways. Jesus is there. Jesus is there as God's speaking, saying, this is the future. This is what's going to happen. Jesus is going to turn up and He is going to have victory over this sin, victory over this rebellion. God saw the mess up right from the start and said, I'm plotting a course. I'm weaving a story through time and space that a Saviour will come and overcome fear, will reconcile humanity to Himself through Jesus. So you can't earn peace. Peace is a gift. You can't earn peace. But also, number three is this, you must accept peace. You must accept peace. Even though it's a gift, even though you can't earn it, you still have to accept peace. Peace is not forced upon you. It's a gift that you must unwrap. And the language that the Bible uses most often for this is this word faith. We could, we could use a similar word to faith and call it trust. It's a great word. They, 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 they connect together that as we have faith, as we place trust in God, we trust Him that He fills us with peace. We trust Him that He is in control and maybe everything seems out of control. We trust Him with our lives because like I said, His ways are higher than our ways and His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. You see, peace is not forced upon you. It's a gift that you must unwrap. The Scripture in Romans 5 that we read before uh, mentioned it twice. It says, We have been made right in God's sight by faith or by trust. It says, Because of our faith or our trust, Christ has brought us near. So even though God was the instigator, even though He was the first he was the one who went before and said, I'm making a way, I'm making a plan. I'm making a plan so that I will bring people back to me through Jesus. There's still a responsibility on us. And our responsibility is to have faith, is to trust in Him. It says, we have been made right in God's sight by faith. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us. And so this Christmas, I'd love to encourage you, don't let this gift of peace given by Jesus stay all wrapped up under the Christmas tree. Would you, would you unwrap it? Would you unwrap it today? This gift of peace. There's a, there's a gift. 
There's a gift of peace that God has for your life. The first one, like I said, is a peace that reconciles us, that brings us together with God. A peace that brings us out of the separation that happened into a relationship with Him. But not only is there peace there, not only is there peace with God, but there's a peace of heart, a peace of mind that we can live with today. Speaking prophetically again about Jesus in Isaiah, He says this in Isaiah 26 verse 3. He says, You will keep Him, that's you, in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because He trusts in you. When our faith and our trust is placed in God. It says that our mind is stayed on you. What, is, what does that mean? It means that we open God's Word and instead of letting everything else out in the world and out in culture define us, we let the Word of God define us. So it, it, what does our mind state on you? It means that when we have those tricky times when we're uh, you know, nervous and worried and fearful, we come back to, come back to God, I'm going to place my trust in you. I heard this great thing the other day, uh, God was talking about prayer and He said, so often we get worried when we go to pray and if you know, if you're like me, you go to pray and suddenly it feels like everything you haven't done for the last month just starts to come into your mind. Like, oh, that's right, this, oh, and I didn't, you know, do this for the dog and this didn't happen at home and oh, I've got to paint that. Oh, is that a crack there in the ceiling? Or, you know, whatever, just all this stuff starts flooding into your mind. Uh, but he said this, he said, what a great opportunity. Like if I get distracted a thousand times in five minutes of prayer, so you know what that is? That's a thousand opportunities to bring my mind, to bring my heart, to bring my spirit back in relationship with Jesus. Let's not get put off by the distractions. Let's not get put off by the culture of this world, but let us, let us fill our hearts and minds with His peace, through His Word, through His presence, uh, and boldly coming to Jesus and saying, I'm here, would you come and fill me with your peace this morning? Would you come and fill me with your hope this morning? I love every eye bowed, every head closed across this place. Jesus, we just thank you right now. We thank you for your peace that comes and fills hearts and fills lives. This morning, God, I thank you for each and every single person here. Lord God, I thank you for your peace that comes. For those, Lord God, that are wrestling with health issues that need healing to come. I thank you, Lord God, would you bring your healing power into people's lives. Lord God, for those who need peace to come and fill their hearts and minds to let go of worry and fear and anxiety, Lord God, I, I would just encourage you, would you let, Lord God, your peace come and fill hearts and fill lives this morning. God, right now in this moment, we place our trust and we place our minds and our hearts in your hands. And we thank you for your peace. We thank you for your peace. 
And right across this place, as every head is bowed, every eye is closed. In a couple of moments, we're going to say a prayer that invites Jesus Christ to come and live on the inside of us. What, what I mean by that is it's an acknowledgement of saying, I am going to live my life following after Jesus, following after His ways, following after His thoughts. And if you'd like to be included in that prayer and make a bit of a lie in the sand moment decision to say yes to Jesus, I'd love you just wherever you are, just to lift your hand. I'll see it. You can put it back down. And then all together we're going to pray. We won't bring you out the front. We won't embarrass you. But we just want to give you a moment to make a decision to say yes to Jesus. So if there's someone like that here this morning that just wants to lift their hand. Yeah, I see that hand. That's awesome. Come on, is there someone else who wants to join this person who's made that decision to follow Jesus? Is there someone else here this morning who wants to say yes to Jesus, to let his peace fill them, let his hope fill them? We thank you right now, Jesus. Church, I'd love us to pray together. Would you pray out loud and repeat after me? Dear Jesus, this morning, I give you my life. From this day forward, I'm going to love you, I'm going to serve you, and I'm going to live my life in your ways. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus, I thank you for all those making decisions.